Why do you want to learn a new language? Where would you use it and how would it come in handy? This is what I'm asking myself every single day. Even if I'm not planning on going on a trip where I need to use a new language, I'm just like, my brain needs to stay alive. My brain needs to stay active. And there's only so many crossword puzzles I can do in one week. And that's why exactly. I just feel like putting my mind to the test would just be using Rosetta Stone to improve my language skills. And I'm always like idealizing Oh, I want to learn Francais. So when I go to Francais, I can speak French <laughs> with the person in You go to Quebec. <laughs> but really, I'm speaking I'm speaking on a like dream level, which is also great. Use Rosetta Stone to learn the language of a place you're dreaming of visiting. But also practically, it makes more sense for me to learn Spanish. And if I'm gonna learn Spanish, I'm gonna do it on Rosetta Stone. That's amazing. They've been the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users, and they have 25 languages offered. You have fast language acquisition because they immerse you in the language. There aren't English translations, so you really learn to speak. You listen. You think in the language of Rosetta Stone, and it has an intuitive process, so you pick up the language naturally. First words, then phrases, then sentences, which means it's designed for long-term retention. And the app has a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation, like <laughs> having a personal trainer for your accent. It's very helpful, okay? That was good. That was good. Thank it's, you. It's convenient. There's an amazing value. You can get a lifetime membership and just have every single language, all 25 languages you can have for your lifetime, and you can just work through them as long as you're alive. That's kind of an iconic mm -hmm. goal to have. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Who Weekly listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash who. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash who today. You will say Welcome to Who Weekly, the podcast where you'll learn everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. I'm Bobby Finger. I'm Lindsay Weber. And this is Who's There, our weekly call-in show where we take your questions, comments, and concerns at 619-WHO-THEM. Here's our first call. I just have to play a call first. It's a concern. Chromatica Oreos. She's doing the spawn con laying down. Crunch, crunch. She's doing the spawn con laying down. That's a problem. Can you play the spawn? Of course. Can I play the spawn? I'd be happy to play the spawn. Here it is. Picture Gaga fully reclined. Her head is like kind of up a little to engage, but she's fully reclined. She looks like she's on a like a physical therapist's table. Like she's getting her legs worked on. Here's the audio. So we decided it was a good idea <laughs> to have a um, Chromatica Oreo, which is a pink cookie. With green filling, Cody. Chromatic Oreo. She doesn't eat the Oreo. She said they thought it was a good idea. <laughs> they. Well, that's what's so funny about this is that here's the thing. Like, as the number one Chromatica stan, maybe even a bigger Chromatica stan than I am a Lady Gaga stan at this point because the bit's gone too far, even I am like, did the contract get signed before Chromatica got released to get the Oreo? Because yeah. even Lady Gaga's like, not quite sure why there's a Chromatica Oreo. We can barely <laughs> sell the album. <laughs> she literally says they thought it would be a good idea. They yeah. thought it was a yeah. good idea to release a Chromatica Oreo. She completely disconnects herself from this strategic process. Meanwhile, I'm belly up and I won't even eat it. She's like, I'm 
fully reclined. I can't eat this Oreo because it's not really good to be eating reclined. And somehow there's no other time in which I could film this sponsored content except for when I am lying down. I choose to believe that Lady Mm -hmm. Lady Gaga spends like half of her day lying down for various reasons. Mm -hmm. Maybe on Chromatica, the gravity is low. So that's like maybe she's got to stay close to the ground. But... I just love that it was like even Oreo, even this big spawn, even the the big, even the big account does not get Gaga to stand upright and eat an Oreo, you know? Well, you know why? Why? Because she was gunning for Hydrox. <laughs> she was gunning for Hydrox. Having been to Chromatica, I've been to Chromatica, and they eat Hydrox on Chromatica. Plus... As you remember, and can you look up, Oreo already did a, a deal with uh, Christina Aguilera. Do you remember the Christina Aguilera Oreo song? No. Search Christina Aguilera Oreo. Bionic? No, you wish. It's not related to Bionic. She didn't get her own Oreo, but she did do an Oreo spot. Christina Aguilera. Every dunk is wonderful. So bring your milk and cookie skills. Let the Oreo dunk challenge begin. Show your dunk for a chance to win. Show us your dunk with hashtag Oreo Dunk Sweepstakes. I mean, at least Chromatica Oreos are pink and green. This is just Christina Aguilera on a tightrope riding a bike on it and then dipping an Oreo in milk upside down for some reason. I don't associate Christina Aguilera with any of these things. I know. <laughs> yeah. It's like she's not a circus performer. She's not even singing in the in the ad. At least Lady Gaga lent her aesthetic, her space aesthetic to the Oreo itself. What do we think this Oreo even really tastes like? I mean... I don't even know what food on Chromatica Chromatica tastes like. Yeah. Like, what is it? What does it taste like? Well, Oreo, you know, they're so into flavors. They love their new flavors. They've In the past, like, five years, they've gotten really intense about, like, releasing special limited edition Oreos with strange, intense flavors. And I think that if this had a flavor, it would be on... Like we, it would be on the bag, but the bag doesn't say like uh, raspberry cookie with lime frosting. Like it doesn't have a flavor listed. So I assume it's regular. Maybe this isn't a controversial take, but the original Oreo is perfect. There is to release so many different mm-hmm. flavors of Oreo is kind of ridiculous because it will never be as good as the original Oreo, which is literally a like medical marvel. Okay, it's not medical, but it's like a, it's an engineering marvel. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? The It's a modern it's marvel. It's a modern It's a modern marvel. marvel. Thank you. The original Oreo is a modern yeah. marvel. There's no comparing to it. So I hope that it's silly colors, but it tastes the same. I think it'll taste like the golden Oreo. Ew. The ones that aren't the chocolate wafer, they're uh. the vanilla wafer. I'm assuming it'll be the golden Oreo. Maybe it tastes differently in space, (laughs) but we'll never know. Okay, well, I got to get my hands on these on these Chromatica Oreos. I really have to. It's really important to me to get these these Chromatic Oreos and try them. Watch them be everywhere. Watch them be just like the easiest thing to get. They're just like falling off shelves, you know? Oreo really needs to get a video of Gaga eating these things. Okay. Yeah, I know. Get you. No offense, but Christina Aguilera stood up. She showed up to the set. You know, she rode a bike on a tightrope. Gaga's like laid back, like Oreo, Gaga, Oreo. Lady Gaga's like tightwad lawyer named like Stewart is like uh 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 as you can see here it does not stipulate that Stephanie will be eating or standing while promoting these cookies so this is the best you're going to you get. You really have to respect she did it fully reclined. You really have to respect how half-assed she did the sponsored content. Chromatic Oreo. Uh, this is not an Oreo podcast. It could be Let's though. go to the first comment, which is <laughs> don't even. It could start. be. Here's the first one. Hi, Lindsay Bobby. Um, I'm calling with some more information on the Megan Barton Hansen Ayal 
Scott Disick, Jim Carrey situation. So you were saying that, oh, maybe, you know, to Scott Disick, Jim Carrey like the example of the funniest person you could name because he's an older millennial. But it's actually even weirder than that. It comes from when Megan dumped Ayal on Love Island. She was saying, like, oh, you know, we're, we have sexual chemistry, but, like, we just don't have fun like the other couples. You know, we don't make each other laugh. And then she kind of throws out, like, you know, you're no Jim Carrey. And then he's like, you're no Jim Carrey either. So it's actually, uh, you know, that's where it came from. That was her go-to of, like, a fun, funny person that I guess that's the dynamic you want with someone you're dating. I don't know. Anyway, the other thing I wanted to say is that it's his name, Ayal, it's pronounced Ayal. And I know that because it was a huge plot line on, like, the whole first week of that season of Love Island. Because at first he was paired with that girl who you probably remember didn't know what Brexit was. So she was kind of, like, impossibly ignorant. And she had a huge problem pronouncing Ayal. So we got a lot of reminders. It's pronounced Ayal. Anyway, love you guys. Crunch, crunch. Love Island is one of those shows. I did watch this full season. I do remember the bit where nobody could pronounce his name. But uh, Love Island goes in one ear and out the other for me. So it's really hard for me to kind of like remember the specifics. I am bummed that I didn't listen to the full clip of her dumping him because she literally does say, you're no Jim Carrey. And he's like, you're no Jim Carrey. And I'm out here being like, who wants to date Jim Carrey? Like, I don't even think, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's like the Imagine two Jim Carrey's dating each other. Like, that would be a huge problem. It's funny on many levels. So she said, you're not Jim Carrey. And he said, you're not Jim Carrey. Okay, well, then I guess we're not dating each other. You can put the clip here, too. I, I have a link right here. I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm not forcing it. I don't <clears throat> I don't believe that I've ever forced it. No, but I for do you think... to come and say, oh, we need to have more fun. What do you I want me to do about that? I you're not exactly Jim I never, Carrey. Like, I, I can't never said... have fun by myself. It's yeah, a two-way thing. But you're and not you're exactly probably... Jim Carrey either. No, I know. And that's what I'm saying. Never... You're probably, like, funny in your own way. I'm funny in my way. But we're not compatible in that way. That's good to know. We got a ton of calls about that from Love Island stands who were like, this such and such happened with this Jim Carrey line on the show. But it doesn't necessarily mean that that's why he wore that costume on Halloween. Oh, well, that's just like weirdly unrelated. He's still dressed up as Jim Carrey. Yeah. So I still think he could be a Jim Carrey fan. I'm just glad to get the real reason. Wendy Williams just spent like three minutes talking about how obsessed she is with Rita Ora. Crunch, crunch. Crunch, crunch. Let's roll the tape. Rita, I still don't know who you are but I love you. <laughs> I also don't know who Millie Bobby Brown is. Do you? Clap if yes. you do. Yes. <laughs> well, there she is. Looking a little bit if you squint like Rumor Willis. Rumor Willis. What you're missing in that clip is that was a that was a transition away from Rita to Millie Bobby Brown and Suzanne Wendy. One of Wendy's faithful sidekicks is clapping. Yes, I do know Millie Bobby Brown. And Wendy is like, all right, if you say so. Like Wendy has talked about Millie Bobby Brown in the past, just like has not committed her to memory. But Rita, she did a she did a tight three, as the caller said before that, all about Rita's uh, rule breaking party. And honestly, Wendy was less critical than we were. She was kind of like, 
I love this girl. She was like, I still don't know what she does. I know she was in Fifty Shades of Grey, which is wild because Rhea was in Fifty Shades of Grey for about three minutes total. And she said... I, total, she, across the entire trilogy. She was just trilogy. like, this girl looks like she is fun. She looks like she has a good mm-hmm. ass time. And she threw an illegal party. Whatever. I love her. <laughs> it was like, it was truly... It's like she put people at risk. It was just like such a Wendy... I mean, um, it's like... She always surprises Wendy. You think you know where Wendy's going to go with this? It's an easy an easy slam for her and yet no. She chooses the unexpected route which is I love this girl. Go Rita. She loves to party. What a fun girl. Come back on my show. Wendy could have really gone off on her and it would have been justified. Wendy's only diss is that she still doesn't know what Rita does. Like the, Rita is a singer. I just want to <laughs> shake her and be like Rita is a singer. But, you know, maybe maybe mm-hmm. that information is just not able to sink in. Hi Lindsay Bobby. Um long time first time. And um you're talking about Patrick Duffy um and Linda Pearl and of course at least four times uh during the show I have to do a Google image search. And um, so, of course, I did it for Linda Pearl. And, my God, she's so familiar. It's Pam Beasley's mom from The Office who has an affair with Michael Scott. Um, So I know that probably most of your audience will know her from that. Um, Other than that, I don't know. I mean, all the 70s and 80s shows. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, that blew me away. Uh, very cute story. Crunch, crunch. Love you guys. We did get a couple of calls about this where people were like, I didn't know what Matlock was, but The Office, Pam's mom, iconic. I'm not an Office person, but I was like, oh, I guess it's worth pointing that out. The Office is a touchstone, you know, for a lot of people. So it would be easier to put a face to the name. We were going with the cl- we were going with the closer credits, which was Happy Days and Matlock. We were we kind of got sucked into <laughs> the fact that they were. And honestly, I was happy with Step by Step because to me that is a very familiar show that he was the dad on, and he's done a lot of other stuff. Mm-hmm. But that was kind of the main thing. And then I found out, which we didn't talk about on the show, but I put a clip in that he's in a new Hallmark or Lifetime, I forget which one, Christmas movie, and he plays like a sc- older Scrooge that like brings to people together or whatever and that's what he's promoting Mm -hmm. right now so he's going on these shows not because he's like oh Mm -hmm. i'm in love with linda pearl he's going on these shows to promote this hallmark christmas movie or lifetime christmas movie and they're asking him about this story because it's like so adorable so that's why this is kind of all Mm -hmm. out there at this specific time why he's on the cover of closer etc you know I was just looking at him and thinking like who does he remind me of and i realized patrick duffy reminds me of straight victor garber and then I looked yeah. them up. They're the exact same age. <laughs> They're both 71. Incredible. He's like straight Victor Garber. Sure. And he's dating right. Linda Pearl. Yeah. Hi, Who Weekly. Uh, longtime listener, first time caller. I just saw on Instagram that Paul Mescal is in Phoebe Bridger's new video. So while I do believe she flew to Ireland to fuck Paul Mescal during the pandemic, which is very bad. I also believe that she might have been there for work. So I think two things can be true. Um, Me inside, crunch, crunch. Thank you to this reasonable caller. Both things can be true. Yeah. We got so, 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 so many calls about this, including this one that I have to play. There were so many, but this one really blew my mind. B.B. Waller Bridge directed B.B. Bridger and Paul Mess. 
she flew to Ireland for that. And like, you know, probably all stops are Okay. This caller said the same thing in a loud whisper, which is that she flew there for the video, but also to have sex. I can't believe like the ghost, like an Irish ghost came back to like whisper, like rattle some <laughs> chains and like whisper about <laughs> this event happening. It is like when two who weekly adjacent stories combine, which was who is Phoebe Bridgers and Phoebe Waller-Bridge, like why mm. do these two women exist, coming together, again, one directed, one is the singer, nominated, Grammy-nominated singer, and Paul Mezcal, who again was in Normal People, and who we heard that they DM'd with each other and she flew out to have lunch <laughs> with him. There was evidence, there was photos, and there was a tweet from the cafe. I stand by... You know, yeah. people funk their coworkers all the time. No, I mean, it's pretty funny to be so adamant about this, but I'm kind of just like, it's fun. Like, because people were like, oh, no, she went there for business. It's like, okay, she got a lot done. <laughs> okay. Hi, guys. The baby and little baby literally have a song together called Baby. Crunch, crunch. We were late to the joke. They were always in on the joke. They released this song last year, over a year ago. And they're both Grammy nominated and they're best friends. Quality Control, Lil Baby, and a Baby. The song is called Baby. It's so cute. Quality Control is not a baby. Baby in the trap, he a rapper. Baby making classes. Baby in the hood, can at Baby keep it real with his people. Baby like a preacher. Baby probably still say a reason. Baby probably still got them bows. I told my bitch I'm faithful, but I still got the hoes. Baby getting jiggy. Stays with the glizzy. Baby CEO. Shake the game like he did it. How many times do you think the word baby is said in the song Baby by Da Baby and Lil Baby? Well, at least 10. 37 times. Springtime vibes are in the air, and when I bring in some beautiful flowers that are blooming, I want to smell them, not the litter box. And I can, thanks to Pretty Litter. I'm going to correct this ad because I didn't bring any flowers in, but you know what I did cook yesterday? A big pot of beans. It smelled delicious in my apartment. It smelled like all the yummy stuff I was cooking, and it didn't smell like cat poo-poo or cat pee-pee because I use Pretty Litter. You're saying springtime vibes are in the air, and when I cook a big pot of beans, <laughs> I'd rather I want to smell beans. them, yes. not the litter box. I'd rather okay, smell beans great. than flour. I'm trying to personalize I don't think it. Pretty Litter would mind you correcting their intro with your own personal endorsement, which is yes. that you want to smell your beans. Yes. Delicious, fragrant beans with bay leaves and garlic and onion. This is all to say that nothing beats Pretty Litter's ability to instantly trap odor. It's ultra-absorbent, it's lightweight, it's low dust, and one six-pound bag works for up to a month. So I know that when people come over to my apartment, they're going to be smelling whatever I'm cooking, whatever's in the air, you know, like whatever candle I lit. They're not going to smell what's in the litter box because it soaks it all up. Plus, the crystals change color to indicate early signs of potential illness in my cat, like UTIs, kidney issues, and more. So when the colors change, you can tell your vet what happened so they know what to look for. And if that wasn't enough, Pretty Litter ships free right to my door. I never run out. I don't have kitty litter bags taking up a lot of space in my little apartment. Go to prettylitter.com slash who to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy. That's prettylitter.com slash who to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy. Prettylitter.com slash who. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, Who Weekly. Um, who is Jonathan Bennett and why is he doing a sponsored engagement post and also people exclusive photos and i've never heard of this person okay bye
Crunch, crunch. I have to say, I love Jonathan Bennett. This guy is the ultimate nostalgia scammer. The last time we talked about him, he hosted the Roku New Year's. Do you remember that? We were like, why is Roku hosting a New Year's event? He was the host. And it was like, Jonathan Bennett, the host of New Year's on Roku. It's like, who's watching this? Anyways, I watched part of it because I had to. That's why we saw it because you were like, the only New Year's feed that I can get on my Roku is the Roku official one. And Jonathan Bennett is the host for some reason. Which is so perfect. Jonathan Bennett is a nostalgia scammer because he played Aaron Samuels in Mean Girls. And for some reason, Mean Girls, it will not go away. Like Mm -hmm. we, Mean Girls is one of the most sticky, nostalgic movies for people. It's unbelievable. I guess like the musical helped prolong it and Tina Fey Mm -hmm. remaining famously prolonged it. But like, whoa, this, that movie, like it stands the test of time. So he is somehow getting more out of this movie than anyone who was actually in the movie, including Lindsay Lohan, you know? I mean, Rachel McAdams stayed famous. I more mean out of this movie, only this movie, because really he's done not a lot else. He's hosted, he's been in Lifetime and Hallmark movies, he's done all those Mm -hmm. things, but his main thing to this day is still that movie. Other actors from that movie went on to do other movies that actually were more... Um, relevant, maybe not Lacey Chabert. She also kind of took the lifetime. <laughs> she role. also but does I mean, Hallmark. Like, yeah. she's more, f- <laughs> and she's more famous for Party of Five than you could argue Mean Girls. But my point is, is that this is his main thing. And aside from who was the friend, Janice's friend, who also kind of trafficked off uh, Mean Girls for a while. No, no, no. Oh, Daniel the Frazier. gay one. Because she also had another career. She also did other stuff. He was on like a couple of episodes of Looking. Right. That's what I remember. Jonathan Bennett, though, has made a full career out of saying things like fetch and October 3rd. What's the date in Mean Girls? What's the Mean Girls date? It's October 3rd is Mean Girls date. It's October 3rd. How did I get that? We're broken. We're broken from being millennials who've been on the internet our entire lives. I just, wow, that was dug so deep in my brain. I thought I was wrong, but it turns out I know the answer to that. Anyways, Mm -hmm. that's not the point. The caller called because Jonathan Bennett got engaged to his boyfriend, which is great. We love to see it. But oh my God, was this engagement the most sponsored content and publicized event that I've seen in a while from a celebrity, from a who-lebrity. It was spawned from at least two angles. It was spawned because it's the most jeweler-forward piece of spawn I've ever seen from, like, a celebrity engagement. Like, celebrities who get engaged sometimes will do spawn for, like, the place they got, the jeweler where they got the ring, the specific designer where they got the ring, not even just broadly K jewelers like Jonathan Bennett did. The other way this was spawned was because it's coming ahead of the premiere of the first LGBTQ forward Hallmark Christmas movie called The Christmas House. And he is is part of the... He's in it as the main gay couple. But the thing about The Christmas House that doesn't really... Lifetime is doing a Christmas movie that's also gay, but the gay story is is the central story. In this one, it's one of three. So, Mm, like, they're not even the largest couple on the poster. The two straight couples are a little bigger, or at least Treat Williams is the same size. Do you think that they waited to do the proposal, like, to sync up with the promotion of the gay Christmas movie? Yes. (gasps) No. The proposal happened on the set of the Christmas house. All of it is tied together. Like he was filming the Christmas house. because It was while they were filming it. Mm Mm-hmm. 
The craziest thing about this, though, was once again, happy for them. This is lovely, but cannot avoid discussing the fact that this was filmed from multiple angles. It was posted on the Pop Sugar Fitness channel for some reason, <laughs> like the YouTube channel. When I saw it, it had 26 views. I think I was the 25th viewer. I think you were the 26th. I think I was 26. The video's unlisted, meaning they like embedded it in some thing. Like you can't find it on YouTube. Like it's only embedded through a mm-hmm. through a uh, slideshow on the site. Then they have an exclusive people spread with exclusive people uh, pictures because the main spawn that they're doing is for K Jewelers because K Jewelers definitely gave them some free rings. And the rings are like special gay rings that they designed. If they did not get these rings for free initially, after K saw the spawn, they were like, we got to cut them a check because there's no way they didn't go above and beyond what K expected of them. If they did not get these rings for free, I will become their business manager. This is a, it would be a travesty. Like, I would sue them for being idiots. Do you know what I mean? Like, these rings (laughs) better be for free. Read this press release. James worked with K Jewelers on creating a ring design that's special to the couple, not just because it's personal, but because it offers up a unique idea for other LGBTQ plus couples dreaming up engagement rings. The bands, which have a brushed satin finish, are lined with diamonds on one side, made to be worn outward while Jonathan and James are engaged. Once they're married, they plan to flip the rings so the diamonds are facing inward. It was important Vaughn work with K Jewelers because of the company's ongoing support of the LGBTQ plus community. Quote, I told Kay I had an idea to create something not only for our special moment, but something other LGBTQ plus couples might be inspired by for their rings too. The idea of a ring in general is really special because at its core, it's symbolic. It's symbolic of the union between two people and it's symbolic of what the relationship is to those two people. I like how he mentions Kay as though Kay is a person. Kay is not a person. Kay Kay is a company. Kay is a, a corporation. A giant jeweler company owned by another giant jeweler company that owns like one billion jeweler companies. But I also love that he's really the emphasis. It's like, uh, not just because it's personal, honey, it's not personal. You're literally trying to sell this ring, this this LGBTQ plus ring inspired by you, I guess, to other gay people. Like, that's what's kind of amazing. Mm. It's like, it's, there's nothing personal about this at all. You know what I mean? It's the opposite of personal. It's going to be mass produced. <laughs> the entire thing is highly produced and meant to be consumed by as many people as possible. The point of this is that every single People magazine picture that they got that's an exclusive has the ring front and center. There's literally a photo, which almost put me in the grave, of the two men each holding their K jewelry box open so that you can see their matching rings. And we've got the People exclusive photos kind of of stamped on the top left, which is iconic. Jonathan Bennett's career is actually really cool. And like, he truly must have a great agent because this guy has been riding off of his Mean Girls fame for over 10 years. But like, in non-embarrassing, like nothing he's done is embarrassing. It's like he's just constantly getting hosting gigs. People must like working with him. Well, I know he was, he was in the, he was, did a Big Brother, see, did a Big Brother type reality show. I forget which one. He's done those. He's done hosting. He's done, he, he's been in the Lifetime and Hallmark circuit. Now he's one of the, you know, first gay couples in one of these movies. That's kind of iconic. He's kind of just like, you know, he's, on, you know, this guy's on Cameo. He feed every year on Mean Girls Day. He feeds into it. He gives back. Like, 
I just feel like he's really like he's kind of the he's kind of the epitome of the ideal nostalgic figure. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. totally. to kind of still be around to celebrate Mean Girls in the way that honestly a lot of people who are in movies like that, they get sick of that shit. And mm. when you come up to them and you're like, October 13th, 3rd, whatever, when you're like, Mean Girls, fetch, and they're like, get the fuck away from me. I mean, mm-hmm. he's he's kind of the opposite of that. He's like, this is my bread and brother, and I fucking love it. I love that I played the hot guy in this movie. And mm-hmm. to be like, he's done way more with that than most people, right? It's like very the opposite of washed up, you know? He's thriving. He's a thriving who. This is maybe this is a stretch, but I think it helps that he came out. It helps that he can disassociate himself from his character so easily now because he's like, yeah, he's the hunky straight guy in Mean Girls. And then he's like, uh uh uh, not so fast, ladies. I'm gay. I have a fiance who is a man. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Like, I am a completely different person. Like, it's not that he's right. not tied to this role the way a lot of people are because he so immediately distanced himself from like the very core of that role. I think so. And he also kind of like, he kind of gets the campiness of the movie and the Mm -hmm. appeal really of the movie inherently, which is kind of an added bonus. He has, you can tell he has like a sense of humor about it, which I think is what you have to have. If people kind of harass you all day for something you did a thousand years ago, that honestly probably you don't remember that well and doesn't feel like it's relevant to your life anymore. But hey, this guy has proven that he can do so much beyond that and also proven that fans of that movie will continue to care about him long after, which is like, those are the two things you need, like competence and people knowing who you are in a sweet way. (laughs) And again, it's everywhere because people will have like an eternal nostalgia for Mean Girls. They just do. Yeah. And this Lifetime movie or this Hallmark movie is getting so much buzz for being the first of its kind. And the fact that they actually got engaged on the set of that first gay movie is just wild. I mean, of course it was planned. That's obvious. But like, it's clever. You know, it's clever. All of it is connected. They claim, the fiance claims that he he set this all up because Jonathan was filming this movie and then did it. Like, Mm -hmm. that's why he was able to like have the time to kind of like plan the entire thing. But mm-hmm. I mean, you're right. It's it's hilarious because then when they talk about how this engagement happened, they get to mention the Hallmark movie. Is it Hallmark or Lifetime? It's it's Lifetime. Hallmark. Hallmark. This is the Hallmark okay. one, and the Lifetime one is the one where Fran Drescher is involved. I know where she sets them up. That's the one we're gonna watch. Yeah, I think it's called the That's setup, the, we're the Christmas watch. setup. <laughs> but yeah, these are the <laughs> first two big. <laughs> exactly. It's just funny that like the celeb in the gay Hallmark one is Treat Williams and then the celeb in the gay Lifetime one is Fran Drescher. It's like, sweeties, I think we have a winner, (laughs) you know, like there's no contest. (laughs) Wow. Are you saying Treat Williams isn't a gay icon? That is extraordinarily rude. Speaking of Mean Girls, speaking of Mean Girls. Hey, Weekly. Um, Did you see this Times profile of Amanda Seyfried? Um. Is she a them now? Was she a who? Um, I didn't realize she was so wise. Or is that like New York Times mismaking? I want to believe she's wise. Um, yeah, thoughts? Thank you. Crunch, crunch. Shout out to Kyle Buchanan, who wrote this profile for the New York Times, my old coworker, Kyle Buchanan, of Amanda Seyfried, whose first role was Mean Girls. That was her first role. Kind of crazy. 
think about it. Yeah. I kind of forgot that until this profile. I was like, wow, that's wild. Yeah. You learn a few things about her. I didn't know she lived in the Catskills full time. I think that's one of those things where when you learn which celebrities live outside of Los Angeles, you're like, oh, you're like, oh, that makes sense. Or, oh, that tracks. But usually mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. move outside Los Angeles later in their careers. In fact, she bought a house there when she was 22, which I find actually quite notable because that is shocking to me that she bought a house in the Catskills, lived there a lot of the time, and still was like actively working throughout all of that, you know, but took a stand to be like, I don't want to live here. You can fly me out, you know, but I'm going to live on the mm-hmm. opposite side of the country. I literally have a farm to take care of, you know? <laughs> um. <laughs> Right. And she did it at 22. She wasn't, she didn't have kids. She didn't have a husband. She didn't like, she was just like, I'm doing this because like, I'm going to lose my mind otherwise. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. That's pretty decisive. I I think, you know. It's just interesting because she was like the, I don't know, of the three plastics, of the three main plastics. <laughs> of the three plastics. Lacey Chabert, we already knew because of Party of Five. And That's Rachel true. McAdams went on to do her thing. We all know. But Amanda C- Seyfried was kind of like, the breakout. She was the breakout, but yeah. breakout in such a like kind of, I don't know. I mean, I guess Rachel McAdams ultimately ended up being the breakout of that movie, but Amanda Seyfried oh, true. always seemed to be almost breaking out. It was consistency. It was never huge breaking out, you know? Right. Amanda Seyfried, though, ended up being kind of the critical darling versus Rachel McAdams, who I think everybody loves, but did way more commercial films than Amanda Seyfried did. Amanda Seyfried, mm-hmm. aside from the Mamma Mia stretch, which I would argue are as are kind of camp critical hits versus they're obviously yeah. they made a lot of money the first one at least i'm not sure about the second one but like i think it made a lot of money too that's but, how she pays her property taxes <laughs> but that's what i'm saying like it's it is like like you hear yeah. the buzz you hear about amanda seyfried is that and that's what this profile kind of wants you to to wants to tell you it's its thesis is that she kind of is the quieter she kind of doesn't get a lot of attention in the ro- the big roles that she takes. And she's always like, she doesn't have as these big things, but she ends up making a splash because people always like, like this new movie, the reason why they're interviewing her is because she's in Mank, which is that Fincher film that's coming mm-hmm. out on Netflix that everyone's like, Mank. About the writer of Citizen Kane. She doesn't have a big role, but people are like, oh, she's going to win an award for this because she's so good, even though it's a small role. And they're kind of saying like, well, this is what she's kind of done for a lot of her career. I think she's a them. I don't know. Like, I did we say she was a who at some point? Is that why? Like, I don't remember. Even though I've called her Amanda Seyfield many times. I'm Seyfield. You've called her Amanda Seyfield a I'm thousand sorry. times. I've said Seyfried a million times. Like, I've said her name wrong <laughs> a million sorry. times. I'm sorry. That's not even how it's spelt, which is funnier. It's like we basically, like, made up new names. Oh, no. Yeah. Seyfried. Taking the time to think about it, I think she could easily be a them. I I'd be willing so. to call her a them. But I'd also be willing to call her a prestige shoe. You know definitely who? Her husband, Thomas Sadowski, who people love, who's in a lot of stuff, but definitely a who. <laughs> definitely a who. He was on the airplane when Osama bin Laden got killed in the newsroom. Oh, you know, he'll always God. be iconic to me for that. I've watched it recently and wow, it it definitely holds up as being terrible. <laughs> yeah. Still terrible. <laughs> if you look at her her career, it's true. Apart from your Mama Mia's and apart from there, there are so there are a lot of movies on here that that truly suck that have great casts like The Big Wedding. Remember the worst movie of all time, The Big Wedding. The worst time, movie of all time. That movie with Justin Timberlake loved. that was also a flop. In Time was a huge flop. I loved it. Yeah. Peppered among these movies are like weird, weird, forgotten critical darlings like First Reform, mm-hmm. which everyone incredible was obsessed movie. With. One of my favorite movies. While We're Young. 
Yeah, I remember that. She was Linda Lovelace in that indie movie. Right. Remember she was Cosette in La La Les Mis How that people were like, oh, you might actually get nominated for something. She didn't. Yeah, she was good in that. Then she was in, in 2009, she was, it was very, very indie sweetie, cult classic, Jennifer's Body, she's the friend. One of the best movies. And Chloe. When she's, <laughs> Incredible movie. When she's the sexy lesbian yes. who uh, yeah. Julianne seduces Moore. Julianne Moore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, it's it it's really it's really something for everybody. It's really something for everybody. If you're like, well, you you really she she crosses all boundaries. She literally did a musical, a sexy thriller, two musicals. Mamma Mia counts as a musical. She's done multiple musicals, sexy mm-hmm. thrillers, and First Reformed, which doesn't even have category a category you can fall into because it's that crazy. I highly recommend it. Very good. Yeah. I'm almost willing to call her who. I really am. No, I'm not. She's a them. There's so much in here where she gets overshadowed by other people, starting with Mean Girls, because she was so funny in Mean Girls. She had some of the fun, like, like the laugh out loud moments in Mean Girls. A lot of them belong to her. Mm-hmm. Truly. In Les Mis, who did she get out outshined by? Anne Hathaway. In Mean Girls, who did she get outshined by? Rachel McAdams. In Jennifer's Body, which was, wasn't even a humongous hit, Megan Fox was the star of that. Yeah. You know, all these movies where other people sort of overshadow her only slightly. But the it's almost wedding. like, I mean, she if the profile convinces you of anything, the, if the big wedding, <laughs> if this profile convinces you of anything, is that it, this is exactly what she wants. That's by design. She's trying to do cool stuff, but not actually be the star star of it, of it all to get mm-hmm. kind of that Hollywood attention. It's actually quite well crafted of a of a thing. Kyle really picks it out. He's just like... Oh, she's in this big Oscar movie, Mank, for about, you know, few scenes, but she's really good. Two minutes. (laughs) And they might give her an award for it, but she might even not even, because what's the next movie she's going to do? She she rarely stars in stuff, as we we see. You know what I Uh mean? It's interesting. I really liked, um, I thought this was a nice thing. Like, Fincher gave a nice quote about her that I was like, wow. And also kind of the, Fincher's like Hollywood knowledge, I think, is a lot bigger than people think. Because he said, um, it says, in a phone interview, Fincher compared Seyfried to Cameron Diaz, a mainstream comedienne who was always capable of giving more, even if she was rarely asked for it. Which we have said on this podcast, look at in her shoes. I do. You know, <laughs> give her, treat her like a talented actor and she will give you talented actor stuff. Right. Treat her like a right. joke and she will not perform. Well, I mean, she will be funny. <laughs> She'll be very funny. She'll be very, very funny. Yeah. And now she's like, fuck everyone. I just want to make wine. Yeah. The anecdote that I loved was actually right before that, the Quentin Tarantino one, when it says, despite her fair share of hits, Seyfried was still shocked when she ran into Quentin Tarantino at the airport recently and he knew who she was. Quote, keep your expectations low and you'll be pleasantly surprised. That encapsulates her entire vibe, which is that like she's just chugging along and like when good stuff happens, cool, but she's not going to dwell on any of it. I was a sucker for this profile, truly. Yeah, she's probably a them. I will I will give you the fact oh, that she's a them, but I think she's like <laughs> you, you I changed, but I'm I'm still gonna sort of toe the line and say I'm okay. I'm willing to sway back. You can tell she's the type of them who truly doesn't care. And I think that so many actors love to present a version of themselves where it's like, I don't care. Like I think Frances McDormand has peaked this person. She's like, I don't care, I'm above all of this, but then you see her at an award show and she's like living for all of it. But I like it. What she's doing to you is like by her career choices, 
literally you are hooing her because of these decisions that she's made that are kind of like the thesis of this profile. Yeah, no, totally. We're just very quick to like um, apply the narratives that we want on all these people. But it's like, who, like, how do we fucking know? Um, how do we know what these people want? I will say if I ever, if I ever saw her, the thing I would say immediately would be a Mamma Mia thing. Because to me, that would be, I know like everyone involved in Mamma Mia would love if you talked to them about Mamma Mia. <laughs> You know, like, that is a, oh, that's a, that's a project made from love, you know? Hi, Weekly. Long time, long time. Um, have you seen the Tom and Jerry movie trailer starring our favorite, Chloe Grace Moretz? I just feel like you should watch it if you haven't watched it. I didn't, I'm actually not fully convinced it's real, but I still think you should talk about it. Okay, bye. Crunch, crunch. I'm also not convinced that this is real. <laughs> it does feel like a fever dream. It feels like a fever dream. But I do think part of it is because I think all cartoon live, live action, live, what do you call them? Like live action cartoon mashup, like that type I, of movie. Like Roger it, Rabbit. It's like it started Roger with Roger Rabbit. Rabbit. Yeah. Those movies I think are the trippiest movies to make. Like two have actors act against nothing and then you kind of draw in weird stuff i think they're supposed i think they're supposed to be weird like that is a layer of weirdness add on top of it chloe's grace mm -hmm. moretz's entire career is like the weirdest thing ever you know what i mean like here she is playing third lead although playing first lead though because in every youtube uh thumbnail it's She's her face thumbnail. and i'm like i'm like i'm sorry you're telling me chloe grace moretz is more famous than tom and jerry <laughs> Tom and Jerry. Chloe is way down the list. You said Poochie was third. <laughs> Poochie. Well, I was like, I was like, <laughs> Chloe Grace Metz truly is the Poochie of this equation. And it's weird. It's like the movie's like she works at a hotel and they're there. Like, I just don't understand. The plot is Colin Jost. And this woman, sure, normal. Pallavi Sharda, uh -huh. are getting married. They're like a hot, super hot couple. And they're about to have like this big wedding at this fancy schmancy hotel. Meanwhile, who right. just moved into the hotel? Tom and Jerry. And it's up to Chloe Grace Moretz to get them out of the hotel before they ruin this wedding. I think that's what it's about. Do not call in if I'm wrong. Unless you are literally the screenwriter of Tom and Jerry and Poochie. Because that's the only person who can correct me on this issue. No, I think that that's correct uh rob delaney is in it yeah i saw a tweet that said something like oh it was someone like lamenting his role in this movie it was like oh poor rob i can't believe he's doing this i hope they paid him a bag of money and i was like yeah they paid him a bag of money that's yeah. why you do shit yeah. like this like don't feel sorry for rob delaney yeah. <laughs> michael pena's in this <laughs> ken jung is in this they're all getting a Literally one of those bat like in a in a in a cartoon when they give you a bag of money and it looks like a sack with a big dollar sign. That's how Chloe Grace Moretz was paid. And all of these actors were paid with a comical drawn cartoon bag of money like an emoji on your phone. I'm reading the story from the hashtag that hashtag show dot com and it says exclusive. This is from March 7th, 2019. Remember March 7th, 2019? Exclusive. Yeah. Warner Brother interested in Zoe Deutsch and Olivia Cook for a role in live action Tom and Jerry film. And it says, You're gonna die. 
It's like Hollywood is losing their minds. The hottest role in Hollywood is the role of Kayla, who teams up with Tom to stop the pesky Jerry from ruining an important event for herself. The hottest role? It says other names we have learned are on the shortlist for this role. This is exactly the construction of The Masked Singer, where you guess like, is it Gaga? And then it ends up being like, no, it's baby Rexa or whatever. (laughs) Other names we have learned are on this shortlist include Yara Shahidi, Kelly Marie uh-huh. Tran. Are you kidding me? No. Uh-huh. Becky G. Uh-huh. That makes sense. And sure. Jennifer Lawrence. Okay. I was like, sure. what? Zoe Deutsch makes sense. The Wikipedia adds Sophia Carson, Elle Fanning, Arielle Winter, of course, our girl Arielle Winter, <sighs> Naomi Scott, Meg Donnelly, Haley Steinfeld, and Zoe Deutsch and Olivia Cook were all the in the discussions no. for the lead of this. Yeah. And now I'm like, no. wow, makes sense. Chloe Grace makes perfect sense. She's another one of those people. I'm baffled by her. She's baffling. Continued success. Baffling. Mm -hmm. But it's one of those people. I mean, it reminds me of like Lucy Hale syndrome, where I'm like, I guess people must like her. She's good in the room, you know? Right? She must be good in the room. What's the other explanation? She must. She must be really reliable. She must check boxes that we kind of don't necessarily see. Is what I'm saying about her. You know? Totally. And it's crazy because every other person in this movie, Michael Pena, Rob Delaney, Colin Jost, Ken Jeong, they all make sense. These all make sense to me. Mm-hmm. These are, mm-hmm. you know. Absolutely. Comedians Absolutely. or comedian adjacent. Michael Pena is great in this type of role, especially as like a someone to play off of, right? He's always mm-hmm. he's always in these cop movies where he's like one of the cops. He's also a Scientologist. Did you know that? He's oh, also yeah. a Scientologist. Well, we about he's that. one big Scientologist. Yeah, I know. Hello okay. Crash. Just Hello, saying. Crash. I'm just saying Scientologist. Anyways, I just it's just crazy to me that the thumbnail is <laughs> our girl Chloe, Chloe. Grayson Ritz. As if in she's supposed to sell this movie. Thumbnail. <laughs> We don't have a YouTube channel, but I know who how YouTube works. You pick the thumbnail. YouTube doesn't choose it for you. These studios were like, we're going with Chloe. I gotta say though, like I'm v- I'm a huge softie for a movie that's like Manhattan based, where it's like we're going crazy in New York City, baby, which is like kind of what this movie is. Yeah, no, like we're all gonna cry. Right, like they're gonna take a cab at some point. I'm gonna be like, whoa. Yeah, like Tom and Jerry are gonna smash Chloe Grace Moretz's head with an Acme mallet, and I'm gonna be like, oh, I miss the city. <laughs> talking myself into being excited for this movie now i'm just like this looks cute now i'm like thrilled i'm like i can't wait it's tom and jerry and chloe and grace and moretz killing it (laughs) uh the poochie we all need (laughs) tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Is Umbrella Academy a who or a them? I had never heard of a single soul mention let alone watch this program until today when every headline about Elliot Page refers to him as Umbrella Academy star and not the much demier Juno or Whippet or Inception or X-Men or literally any of the major motion pictures. Um, They were involved in. Um, So I know 
Netflix does not release numbers, but of all the shows on Netflix that I've never thought about, Umbrella Academy is definitely up there, and I'm just wondering if I have totally missed something. Um, crunch, crunch. I haven't seen it either, but it's it's definitely big. They probably used it because it was their latest big credit versus the credits you're mentioning in the past. Inception is 10 years old. Juno's 12 years old. I mean, X-Men's even older than that. So yeah, I mean, Brel Academy is one of those weird Netflix things where it's like, I watched the first season and I didn't like it. And then I heard the second season was better. But I, I maybe only know two people who watch Umbrella Academy. I know. But apparently a lot of people like it. What I found interesting was the argument about what credits to use was because what we're talking about is the newsworthiness of Elliot Page coming out as trans and not using their dead name in the headlines, right? So like, you know, that's not mm -hmm. a thing that we should be doing. Um, but then again, how do we identify why something is newsworthy? How are people going to know what we're talking about? Hey, we have a photo. People will recognize them. We have credits. People mm -hmm. will say, oh, they, they're they the person in that. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. oh, Juno. Oh, I know who we're talking about here. So that's what people were arguing. I thought was really interesting where it's like, you need to dead name this person when I'm giving you all of the information you need to know to tell you who they are. No, and you're right. Like you said, there was a lot of conversation about the rampant dead naming happening on the day that Elliot came yeah. out and released that letter when it's so easy to go and I wouldn't call Elliot like a huge them but like definitely a them They're I think there was them, enough for sure residual yeah. themness from Juno and Inception and I guess Umbrella Academy counts again I don't watch it anymore I I trust that it is popular I tr I trust it but like I think that's enough to make them a them you know totally yeah but yeah. like all yeah. you needed to do was post a photo from Juno or Inception or Umbrella Academy and like we got it it's easy. We know who this right. person is. Why don't we just let people figure out who they are? And here are very easy clues. But I do think that Elliot Page is themy enough where it wasn't hard to figure out who they were <laughs> by those no. clues. You know, no. I didn't have a problem. I mean, obviously, I didn't have a problem. But like, I think a lot of people did not have a have a problem. You know, do one Google or whatever. And that was the argument that was made. A lot of people did not have a problem. Yeah. But even NPR, I'm seeing like dead naming happening here. I know because I think people err on this, these old standards of journalism that don't quite make sense for this situation. Well, it makes me think of one of my favorite lines from No Country for Old Men when Kelly McDonald and Javier Bardem say, you don't have to do this back and forth to each other. You don't have to do this. <laughs> you don't have to do this. People always say the same thing. What did I say? They say, you don't have to do this. You don't. One of the reasons I think that this struck a lot of people is not only because Elliot was famous and Elliot has been endeared to us in like a couple of pretty iconic roles. Like Juno, whether you like it or not, was a moment. It, I don't want to oh call God, it a cultural movie. reset. It was huge. a moment. Everyone huge. was talking about that movie, whether they were making fun of it or whether they loved it. The critical opinion of that movie has... Even though it was beloved then, it sort of became a joke. And I think we've swung back around to really loving that movie. And a lot of I it has it. to do with Elliot Page as much as it has to do with Jennifer Garner. One of Jennifer Garner's bid best roles. And honestly, this uh, why uh, uh, Cody, uh, Dakota, Dak uh, fuck, what's her name? Diablo Cody. Why Diablo Cody still gets a ton of work. Still off of mm -hmm. Juno <laughs> to this day. Like, totally. Juno had an incredible story for everybody involved. To go back to like identifying Elliot Page, it's like, 
the thing that to me is frustrating and like I'm not speaking as a I'm speaking as a cis person now and like a cis journalist so I'm like yeah maybe I'm being a little sanctimonious here but it's like yeah when someone gives you a literal I mean I can't I truly cannot comprehend how difficult this must have been for Elliot to do this totally. thing. And I think that's why people were so touched by it. Cause like, Oh my God, mm-hmm. like how tough this must've been, but like to literally provide an instruction manual <laughs> across all social media platforms. Here is who I am. Here is what my name is. Here are my pronouns. And to see people not use them when I've literally provided you every single thing you need to know. And it really, it truly, they were not obligated to do that. It, it's a burden that they really should not have to shoulder. And to see people kind of ignore that is yeah. so annoying. It's like, it's all there in a really long, eloquent statement. Like, come on here. <laughs> like, right. pay attention. And I, know you, and I know you read it because you're essentially excerpting it. I Can I recommend a, a thing that Elliot did that I feel like I'm the only one who watched, which was the Vice show Gaycation? Did you ever watch this show? Oh, yeah. It's freaking great. Elliot and their, like, really good friend go around the world and, like, discover what it's like to, like, be a, a queer person in, in other countries and, like, the difficulties yeah. that arrive in cultures. It, it's so fascinating. And they, and they like, immerse themselves in gay cultures of other countries and you learn so much. And they're, and, like, they're just really good in it, too. You're like, oh, you're, like, a really good host. Like, you're really good Mm-hmm. You're a really good personality. I really had never seen them like that before. And I was like, this is fantastic. I, I don't know. I don't know how you even watch it at this point because it was on Viceland. But it's very, very good. It's very, very good. There's a lot of activism involved in like Elliot's like outside of Hollywood life. Because they also mm-hmm. did that documentary about um about the water. There's something in the water. Yeah, there was a contamination in this community's water supply. But there was already a book that had been written about this. And there was like a lot of conversation about this particular contamination story. It's kind of just about like, in Canada, where they choose to put pollutants is based on where poor people live. And it's very simple. Like, it's not that complicated. And so that's what they were kind of investigating. Yeah, and kind of like Elliot read the book and was like, I want to shine some attention on it and like worked on this documentary, which is really cool. Like, there's a lot of, I mean, we see celebrities engaging in activism and awareness to an extent. And I, and it's one of those things Mm -hmm. where it's like, you can't really bemoan someone for doing a little bit, even if it's not as much as they could do. But Elliot's one of those people who does the most. And Mm -hmm. that's sort of been their thing for many, many years where it's like, oh, what's Elliot Page up to? Like, it's been a long time since Juno. It's like, oh, no, they're doing stuff. And again, that's what let's come back to Umbrella Academy. Maybe you're not watching Mm -hmm. it, but I do think that a lot of young people watch it. We were talking to a friend who watches it and it gives off very convention vibes. Like there's a lot of geek fandom involved in it. It's like magical powers and, you know, like young people and da da da. And so like, you know, I think it's kind of one of those shows. But it's been on for a while, like, and I think they're going to continue to be on it, obviously. The funniest thing I ever saw about Umbrella Academy was one time I logged on to Netflix and it was like, (laughs) showing me those like algorithmic categories. And it said, yeah, I think it was called like empowering female empowerment was the category. It was something like female empowerment. And the photo was the thumbnail they used. It said Umbrella Academy, but it was the ape. (laughs) And it was just using the like the like CGI ape character who has I a can't. human voice. No, no. I was like, okay, like Netflix, you really need a little human oversight to your like monstrous <laughs> algorithm, whatever. What is the what is the computer in whatever like Rehoboam is is controlling the Netflix algorithm? Like needs a little bit of adjusting. 
<laughs> I I took a screenshot at summer and it's like this it's like this ape with a tie on and it said like female empowerment and I was like get out of here <laughs> please yeah I guess this whole conversation is just interesting in terms of a, of a who weekly spectrum right like that Elliot Page is themmy enough to not need uh, themmy, yeah. that much context it proves their themminess. Which I think I already would have said. I think the conversation about whether or not Elliot Page was a who or a them would have been longer and there would have been more arguing until this happened. Because I think them <laughs> well, coming that's out true. That's also true. Made, it, made it definitive. Everyone cares about this person. We didn't realize how much we cared about this person. We don't have a celebrity transmasculine people, really. Especially thems? No. Even on a more micro level, this is a kind of a big deal for, for that community. Yeah. If you want to hear like actual trans journalists discussing like trans issues, you can listen to a very good podcast, Gender Reveal, hosted by not the tutor on horn, but a hooligan named Tuck Woodstock. You can follow Tuck on Twitter at Tuck Woodstock and also listen to Gender Reveal. Right. We can only discuss it to the extent of our cisness. You want to play Who Are Them? Yeah. Hi, Who Weekly. Um, I was just reading Eric Andre's Wikipedia page for no reason. And I noticed that he has a very short page. Um, I thought he was definitely a them. I thought he was a very famous comedian. I feel like he is. But is he a who or a them? Um, his Wikipedia page is literally three paragraphs. Um, and then his filmography. All right. I also, fun fact, I did not know that he dated Rosario Dawson from 2016 to 2017. Okay. Um, thanks for listening. I love the podcast. Leanne Cuisine. Why, why is Eric Andre's Wikipedia so short? <laughs> That's the funniest way to be like, what's going on here? Like, I thought this person was famous and it seems like they're not. It is. I really don't know. <laughs> it is. I have no idea why it's so short, but I think he's a who. So like, I don't know. Uh, Eric Andre's absolute. I mean, one, two, three. Who? who? He's very. He, he alt. He's kind of an alt comedian. His show's funny. Even if you don't watch his show, which is the Eric Andre show, which has been on TV forever, it feels like at least ten years. He's um, kind of a oh, comedian's no, comedian. Years. Is that what you're gonna say? He's kind of a comedian's comedian's. Well, comedian. I was gonna say comedian's comedian. I was also gonna say he's extremely memeable. Like he's one of those people. Like you would. You have seen clips of him, and you have seen gifs of him on your feeds. Even if you have not seen that show. Right. Because his show is like pure chaos. And he has like, mm. he has like celebrities. <laughs> he has a lot of who liberties, actually. It's mostly who's come on the show. And then the set like falls apart. That's like part of the show. Mm. It's like stuff falls from the ceiling <laughs> yeah. and like they're random guys. It's very Tim and Eric, if that's like a reference it's that, absurdist. that makes any sense yeah. to you. But I think he's one of those guys where it's like, you don't get it unless you get it. And that means you're a comedian's comedian, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a two-parter. One. Um, is, um, talk show host, last name Raphael, Susie, Jeffy Raphael. I don't know where, her, I don't know her name. I'm young. Um, who are them? Two, does she know the comedic actress whose last name is also Raphael, who's in Grace and Frankie? Do they know each other? Okay, that's all. Ta-ta for now. A two-parter. Yeah. Number one is Sally, Jesse, Raffaella, who are them. It's Sally, Jesse, Raffaella, not Susie, Jesse, Raffaella. The caller goes, I'm young. <laughs> uh, humble brag. <laughs> uh, number one is Sally, Jesse, Raffaella, who are them. One, two, three. 
them. I just have to say, it must be nice to be a literal infant where you don't know who Sarah. It must be nice to not host, know who Sally Jesse Raphael is. Must be nice because your brain is not fully formed yet because you're still learning things like your ABC. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just no. Being mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ageism. It has no place on this podcast. Okay. This reminds me of the Montel Williams conversation. Like Montel Williams hasn't had a show in forever, and yet I think he's still of them. I think that. When you hosted a show with your name for as long as these people did, you are stuck in culture. You're stuck there. Talk show names are sticky. They're sticky. And now all our talk shows are by people who are already famous. Back then, it wasn't even famous people. They had to become famous. Now we have Drew Barrymore. Give her a microphone. It's like back then it used to be like you have to prove yourself in different ways. Exactly. Who was the the other one? It um, It was Montel. It was Sally, Jesse, Lisa. Raphael, and there was Liza, Lisa, Lisa Gibbons. No, 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 the other one. No, 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 the other one. That her name was like um. Lisa's older. Lisa's older. It was. It was. Oh God, what the fuck was her name? I'm gonna, this is gonna drive me crazy. I'm looking. Well, at, then you had Jerry Springer. You had Phil Donahue. You had. You had a whole run of them. What was her fucking name? It wasn't Joan London. It wasn't Kelly Ripa. It wasn't Doctor Ruth. No, her name was. There was the other one because it was Montel, it was Sally Jesse Raphael, and it was... Okay, you're killing me because I... like Ricky Lake, me. yes. Sally Jesse, yes. Jenny Jones! Geraldo. Jenny. Oh, Jenny. Jenny. Okay, Jenny. Jenny Jones was trashy. Her show was <laughs> <Right>. very trashy. <laughs> Jenny Jones was the trashy one. Jenny she Jones was, was the, the trashiest one. one. You thought Jerry Springer is bad? You Have you seen Jenny Jones? It was like very problematic and very trashy. Sometimes you just don't feel like wearing pantyhose. Take a look at these pictures right here. Ricky says his friends constantly mistake this woman for his girlfriend. The problem is this woman is not his girlfriend, it is his mother. Please welcome mom. When she goes to the school, like PTA or something, what kind of stuff she wear? She like, she walked into my principal's office not too long ago. She was wearing like chaps. Hi, does Candace Bergen know who Candace Cameron Bure is? Thanks. Does Candace Bergen know who Candace Cameron... <laughs> Does Candace Bergen know who Candace Cameron Burr is? Beret is. One, two, three, no. Yes. What? Excuse me. What? You think Candace Bergen knows who Candace Cameron Burr is? Yes. What's your What's your argument? Candace Bergen watches trash TV for sure while she's like monogramming her Birkins or whatever she does in her spare time. You know, she's like draws on bags, Bergen bags, Bergen bags, <laughs> yeah. Bergen bags. Get it? Yeah. I just think she has some lowbrow taste, and you got to have lowbrow taste to know who Candace Cameron Bure is. You don't think so? I'm saying no in my it's heart. Tough. No, I'm not even going to say I agree to disagree. I don't think that she knows who she is. Okay, but you have no proof. You had a great argument. I, I like the idea of her watching trash TV while she's painting her Bergen bags, but I don't see it. I don't know what she's watching. I think maybe she's listening to a serious podcast. Maybe. She could. She could be. She could be. You're right. She could be. But that could also be me confusing her with Murphy Brown. I also think that Candace Bergen is, uh, she posts on Instagram. I think she's like aware of like other, of like media. So like maybe she's come into contact with this woman. Who's this? Who is this woman? Who's this other Candace? You know? Hey guys. Long time, long time. Uh, watching the flight attendant. Great new show. Great cast. Just wanted to call and ask. 
because I was curious. Rosie Perez is still of them, right? I mean, she's iconic. We love her. Great in everything. But we also know that Hollywood and American culture in general are not kind to actresses of a certain age. And, you know, I would just hate to think that Rosie Perez has slipped so far out of mainstream consciousness to no longer be a them. And so for my own peace of mind, I just want to know, Rosie Perez, who are them? Crunch, crunch. Bye. All right. Rosie Perez, one, two, three, them. Them. Residual. We'll never not be a them, I think. I mean, well, first of all, she's like up there in the top five iconic New Yorkers. That's that's it's it's hard to not be biased in that Absolutely. way because she really she really is like, I mean, truly a legend. And also, I think in terms of like the stuff that she's been in that's been notable, kind of iconic. Is huge. Is huge. Yeah. I mean, do the right thing is enough. But then also uh, fucking white men can't jump. Her whole mm-hmm. subplot where she's like trying to get on Jeopardy. I mean, we haven't even talked about In Living Color because I think that's why one of the reasons she remained famous. Speaking of most iconic New Yorkers, also one of the most iconic voices, like one of the most distinctive voices in Hollywood. Like well, that's, that's her, that's, that's her true. thing, that voice. It's funny. It's like you kind of think that she's like not really in st- or like whatever, but she was just in Birds of Prey, which I know, again, kind of a w- whatever, but a lot of people saw that movie and she was in the kind of girl gang of people that were that were in Birds of Prey. Oh, and guess what she's also in? What? Clifford the Big Red Dog. No. Oh, <laughs> what is she in that? Who knows? She's in it, though. She's in it. She's in it. There's a lot of people in this movie. You know, I'm rewatching. Well, not rewatching. I'm watching Frasier for the first time. Oh, and we know. We know. She's one of the callers. Of she was one of the callers. And because, um, you know, they had celebrities do the call in sometimes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you could re- like I recognize Mary Steenburgen's voice immediately one time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. another time I was like, oh, Rosie Perez, because how could you ever not notice who Rosie Perez is? Like I was like, mm-hmm. that's almost like a jo- it's almost too funny because mm-hmm. how could you ever think that that's not Rosie Perez? Hello, you're on the line with Fraser Crane. I'm listening. Hi, Dr. Crane. Um, my name is Francesca, and I'm calling about my boyfriend. Well, he says he loves me, but I just can't get over this fear that I'm going to come home one day, and he's not going to be there. I, I don't know. It probably stems from my childhood when my father left us. Oh, Francesca, you are suffering from a fear of abandonment, but trust me, I'm here for you. Thank you, Dr. Crane. Mm. I'm always so afraid that people I count on will just disappear, and I'll be left with... Okay, we're done. Thank you for listening to another episode of Who's There, a weekly call-in show. If you want to participate in this show, call 619-WHO-THEM to leave questions, comments, and concerns. Support us on patreon.com slash weekly if you want more episodes of this show. We do two extra ones a week, plus a bi-weekly newsletter. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We love your reviews so much. Oh my goodness, they are so great. And we'll see you on Tuesday with another episode of Who Weekly. Bye. Bye. What is Substack and why does everyone have one all of a sudden? Do you guys have one? Should I have one? Can anyone have? I don't understand what it is. Please shed some light. Thank you. Crunch, crunch. Wario is a them. I am outraged. Wario, them. Waluigi is a who, but he shouldn't be. 
Wario and Waluigi's homosexual relationship. Also a who, but it shouldn't be. Wario and Waluigi are the gay icons that the Mario world deserves. And you took way too long to them Donkey Kong. Oh, my God. I can't. Crunch, crunch. <laughs> um, regarding the Nintendo universe, I feel like every Who Weekly fan who knows the Nintendo universe knows Birdo, who is a genderless creature that, um, like, sort of, like, shoots eggs out of their cloaca, and, uh, I don't know, they're Nikon. Uh, good form, Bellathorn. Hi, Who Weekly. I'm calling because, okay, <laughs> it's that time of the year that, uh, Spotify releases their, like, wrapped, you know, so you can look and say, like, what were my top-played songs this year? Top-played artists, how many minutes? I'm in the whatever percentile, right? So everyone is posting that on their Instagram stories. Now, here's the thing. For years, Apple Music users have not had the same luxury, and now they have, like, this thing called Replay, like, starting last year, and it is shit it glitches it's shit it like it doesn't work it means nothing it's it's a joke compared to spotify's wrapped and okay spotify's interface is ugly it's stupid it is not nice to look at visually it's just like the way they have you add it to the library like everything about spotify like sucks except every single fucking person i know uses Spotify. And I I just don't get it. I think I spot like Apple Music just seems like the clear, like nice, clean what you want. I don't know. This has led to so many arguments and debates and it's always so heated at this time of the year and I just I'm dreading it. Um so, you know, I don't know, compare. Apple Music, Spotify, who's who here, who's them here, I don't give a fuck. I just I'm I've had it at this point. All right. Women don't belong in billions. Crunch, crunch. Bye.